friends so I'm uh, on the the fields near where I live in the village of Temple and Temple is part of an area called Moorfoot so there are hills in the south of Scotland called the Moorfoot Hills M-O-O-R-F-O-O-T and uh, this area where I live that's called Moorfoot uh, refers to an area of about 40 square miles and it's very sparsely populated so in this 40 square miles there's not much more than 1,000 people living here um, it's a really gorgeous area and it, it, it's um, uh, full of green hills and beautiful reservoirs and as you know people who listen to my podcast regularly anyway I, I record most of my podcasts here sometimes in the local forest in the South Esk Valley sometimes by the Gladhouse Reservoir um, and I've definitely been here before on the field so these are the I'm at the fields where the where the crops are and the trees are in that lovely transitional stage so the in front of me there's a, a huge wide field where the the, the harvest has been uh, taken I think it's wheat that they grow here um, I should be more observant to know that but I'm pretty sure it's wheat and not 100% so straight ahead of me is a big wide field it's growing with uh, with grass it, it's dry with the old crops that have been taken away and the wee stems have been left of whatever whatever plant it was, I think wheat. And to my left, there's a, again a huge row of trees. I see hills in the distance to my left. There's a valley below, that's the South Esk Valley where I often record. And it's really lush with trees there to the left. And that, that, it's, that forest is such a beautiful mixed woodlands, like every kind of tree you can imagine. I, I just love spending time down there. I love it as well that I can go and it's just uh, so um, so so desolate in terms of people. You know, it's so rich in life forms, but not rich in human life form, which you know is uh, quite quite refreshing for me as somebody who's always grown up in in cities and towns to live somewhere like this. Um, who always lived in cities and towns anyway. I grew up definitely in the city, but I kind of uh, gradually moved to smaller and smaller places the older that I got and one thing that is really special about this time of year and I guess the reason that I'm describing this area to you and um, talking about the area of Moorfoot a wee bit um, is because something I discovered recently on some research I'm doing for a, a little folktale project I'm collecting I'm writing some folk tales from this area. Um, so I'm researching lost snippets of, of folklore and finding out about various legends from this area. And uh, one thing I discovered is that every year, 
the geese who come are pink-footed geese. Now, you cannot miss the geese arriving here in Temple. Um, in this little village temple here where I live, it, the sky in the first year was just some like something I'd never seen. I, uh, we all, you know, have probably experienced the, the migration of, of, of geese, you know, flying above us with that, you know, majestic honking that they do in unison. And here it's just mesmerizing this first year. I'd never seen so many geese in one place and they come here from, from Iceland to settle for the winter. Um, a lot of them live over at the, uh, the Gladhouse Reservoir and the other reservoirs nearby. And the they just dominate the sky. And what I found out recently was the numbers, like the actual number of geese. And it's over 3,000 who come. And, and I swear sometimes in the autumn, um, they're all flying together you know there, there have been times where i've looked up and and, and there have been at least 1000 birds above me honking and screaming and just flying around for the hell of it you know this is this becomes their base for you know almost half of the year i think and the feeling of being outnumbered by by birds you know because if if, if we're classifying this area where i live as this 40 square miles of of the area of Morefoot. you know we are outnumbered by geese like three times over you know like 1,000 people over 3,000 geese and there's just something about that that feels important to experience as, as humans because I think you know, it doesn't have to be geese specifically. <laughs> I'm talking, I guess, about like uh, any 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 kind of life form, really. Or but but to have an experience, yeah, where we feel like there are more animals around of different species and not just humans, and we don't have to live in an area where that happens. You don't have to live in the countryside or in a, a little village. You can live in the the centre of, of of Tokyo or London or New York or wherever. You know, it, it's important i think to just at some time experience that and if it's not something we can experience directly you know if, if we're not able to you know to 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 get away from where we live and you know go on big trips for whatever reason weather disability whatever is is the barrier to that you know to to spend some time at least meditating with that with with, with sounds of other animals you know we're lucky we have this technology and we should use it and it's um, something that just really struck me and especially one day and I should tell you now I'll just walk you through where I am before I carry on with that um, so I'm just on in a little it's a wee um, wee copse of, of, of Scott's pine trees and this is the forest school area I've just walked into so I've walked into the left of the um, of, of the field where I, where I was describing before. So I'm over the forest valley up on the hill and up on the hill here there's a copse of trees and it's a little forest school so they've built all these little wee huts and um, it's where the local nursery comes which I think is absolutely lovely and the floor is just completely covered with dry leaves. 
my dog Yoda was eating something that he probably shouldn't be eating. And you might be able to hear the geese honking now, the first arrivals, listen. Can you hear them? It's a small group. There's a lone one nearby. Let's just stay with that for a moment. That sound of these amazing birds have traveled so far, honking away above me. I think the sounds disappearing, they seem to be flying off back to the reservoir. You might hear Yoro's feet in the leaves there. He's not very happy about me stopping. Are you Yoro? Hey? You're not happy, are you? Come on, move up this way. So I think I kind of lost my thread there when I started describing to you where I was. Um, it felt it felt important to, um, to describe where I am. As I'm walk, I like us to to walk together. I think so much of ecotherapy is, as I've mentioned before, it's about the connection in our minds. You know, we can plonk ourselves in the middle of a natural setting, but if our mind is not connected with what's around us and we don't make the effort, then you know, in some ways we we might as well not be there. Whereas on other, in other ways we can be at home, not necessarily out in nature, but really connect with with really connect with nature through our memories, imaginations. It's really important. Of course, the ideal and the perfect is to be out in nature and also connecting with it. But that mind connection, I think, is the key, is the most important thing. So that's why I do more and more on these podcasts, record them outdoors and, and, and walk you through. So right now I'm kind of next to a wee forest hut that's made for the nursery children. It's very small and I'm, I've got two Scots pines to my left and to my right. And I'm not entirely sure why I'm doing this because Yoro's judging me. I'm getting a very judgmental look from my whippet. I'm just kind of pushing myself slowly from one tree with my left arm to the other with my right and kind of pushing myself from left to right and it's an amazing feeling, this sturdiness of, of trees and of nature and just the solidity of everything around us. It can be a very comforting feeling just to just to connect with trees like this or lean against them. We forget to be sensory, we forget to connect with nature with the sense of touch. So, you may be wondering what the, the theme of this month is. Um, in some ways, so am I, <laughs> to be honest. And that's, uh, I think, quite deliberate today because I had lots of 
themes in mind but I just knew that the geese are an important thing that I want to capture so what I'm hoping to do is to um, get record some sounds of them throughout the month as more and more of them arrive so hopefully by the end of this month the number of geese might be in the thousands I think at the moment we're in the hundreds what you heard go by before was um, you know it's a, not too many I would say it was just a group of 50 or so and I, I and I hope you could hear it on the podcast I hope that Mike picked it up um, if it didn't then um, then again we I hope you were able to to tune in with your imagination somehow regardless um but there just feels something so important around the the movement that other animals make the transitions that they make this mystery of the determination of the knowing you know this this return to the same place every year of the same geese and maybe some young geese coming for the first time but this spot this determination to come to this same place and don't don't we do that often as well you know we sometimes have ages to return to familiar places places we consider home whether it's the place that we grew up or whether it's a, a, a diff, another kind of home a home that we made for ourselves you know the place we grew up is often not a safe place for a lot of people but I think we we still make homes for ourselves regardless we seek we seek that and and sometimes those first places that we find we we return to we have such strong edges to, to find again and reconnect with so I suppose part of my fascination with the geese and part of what I wanted to record is um, just the, the, the total awe at how they're able to do that every year find their way so so such massive distances you know across fierce conditions over the over the seas to return home but I'm also just taken by the beauty and the power of birds in general I'm just going to call my dog folks because he seems to have disappeared Yoro! Yoro! This way! Come on! Come on! Good boy! Here he is. Good boy! Do you want a biscuit? Here you go. Here you go. But yeah, there's just something about the beauty of, 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 of birds, full stop, and, and how their behaviour changes at this time of year. So I suppose there are reflections around migration and, and transition within nature that I invite you to reflect on but also just looking out for the behaviour of birds at this time of year and they don't have to be big dramatic things they don't have to be the doesn't have to be the the, the, the migration of birds over you know hundreds or sometimes even thousands of miles it can be 
the behavior of the of the wee sparrows in your garden or the the common birds the garden birds that come by it may be how the pigeons are behaving in the city but their behavior will change in a lot of ways with the seasons like our behavior does and I invite you to look out for that whether you go out with a journal and connect in that way and note about how the bird's behavior may be reflecting this transitional time of year and of course I say that and I realize that this is not a transitional time of year if you're listening back within the summer or or in the or in the winter in the in the the way that we think of transitional times of year years but being typically you know spring and autumn but actually water summer and winter are also transitional states nothing stays the same everything is in flux and in change all the time so this is relevant even if you're listening in the future and it's not autumn or if you're listening right now from the other side of the world and it's actually coming into spring rather than autumn as it is over here just how are the conditions affecting birds what are they doing how do they behave near to you are you in the city can you can you feed them from your window how does their behavior mirror what's happening wider out there in nature so I'm going to finish this section now folks okay folks so I'm actually uh, back at home now and I've uh, collected quite a few different clips from the past month and um, I'd, I've been through a bit of a strange process with this podcast as you will hear and um, I recorded one section initially when the geese failed to turn up in Temple where I live. So um, I took a walk around Gladhouse Reservoir where they where they roost and um, I was worried about all sorts of things, all sorts of reasons why they might not be here. And then I learned a wee bit about geese and learned that they feed in different places. They don't always come to the same place to feed every year. And I decided that all my worries about the not so many geese turning up were unfounded and that it probably wasn't anything to do with the weather being warmer or it wasn't related to climate change or anything like that. So I got rid of that podcast, that clip, and then I recorded one where I was um, looking for the geese. But on reflection, I've decided to put in all versions of this podcast. Um, The ones where I've been um, concerned, uh, the ones where I've then gone away and learnt more about geese and come back and thought, oh, maybe it's something a bit more positive. Maybe um, maybe you can relate to this sort of, this way of thinking, especially at the moment. And I think I, 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 the reason I didn't want to put all of the clips in is because they're quite, um, I suppose they're quite conflicting in many ways. But then I thought, well, actually, I, I don't know why the birds didn't turn up and I think this kind of conflict and this concern and this worry about the climate affecting 
the behavior of animals and the and, and the way that the ecosystem is 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 looking after itself and changing and adapting to warmer weather i think is a really valid concern so whether or not that's what's happening with these geese i don't know what i can say having got to the end of the month is that there are geese at gladhouse reservoir um i've been and I've, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've heard some, but there are, are a lot less geese this year than in previous years. Now, that doesn't mean that this is a pattern. It doesn't mean that it's got anything to do with climate change. Um, you know, it, it may just be they've gone somewhere else this year. I'm not a geese expert, folks, although I have learned quite a lot through this process. And I think it's a um, an, an, an interesting thing, an interesting assumption that we probably are going to be coming more to as climate change becomes more of a reality. Um, you know, um, I, I think that we are going to, to to be concerned. But at the same time, I, I, I acknowledge that that doesn't mean that every change in nature that is going to happen is down to climate change and that there are other variables as well. And I think that that is what this episode has come to be about. I, I thought it was going to be about geese and about birds and about migration, but it wasn't. It's really about how when you expect certain things to happen in the ecosystem and you expect things to happen in nature around you and they don't um how do you feel what processes do you go through and that's why you'll hear lots of clips in here and they will contradict each other and uh, after the first clip that you hear you will then hear another one where i'm saying oh i recorded a podcast before and i decided to get rid of it well i didn't you will hear you will hear all of them and i've decided to keep them in because it i i went through another process as well of um going to the reservoir and actually um noticing the other things that are there and it not just being about the thing i was looking for you know we sometimes go looking for certain things in nature and we end up um finding other fascinating uh, creatures or experiencing different aspects that we weren't um, we weren't necessarily looking for so it's about all kinds of things you know what 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 happens when you have expectations on nature and um, and you know I reflect on all of these things in the clip so I'm not going to talk any more about it I'm just going to give you the clips now and, and let you listen I just wanted to explain why it might feel a wee bit disjointed and I may contradict myself and I think that that is because um, like all of us I'm, I'm, I'm I don't always know what's going on in nature around us and I jump to a lot of conclusions and there's a lot of unknowns when we connect with nature we don't know why things behave in the way that they do all the time and um you know this is my process in exploring that and i hope that it it inspires you to to sit with the not knowing of things yourself and not to push aside worries and fears but also not necessarily to dwell in your worries and fears if you don't know that they are uh, completely justified in that circumstance so i hope that makes sense i'm gonna hand over to myself in the past isn't uh, technology a wonderful thing i'm sorry about all these rubbish jokes folks um but here you go over to me bye bye okay hi friends so it's now the second of november and um it's been really strange this year because there have been hardly any of the pink-footed geese arriving 
here at all. So I remember last year there was definitely less than the year before. And the year before was the first year that I'd lived in the Moorfoot area of Midlothian and the village of Temple, where they would just litter the skies, although litter is a bad word for it because they colour the sky and give it beauty rather than rather than litter it, which has kind of associations with trash and rubbish for me. Um, but they were just there everywhere. And then, yeah, last year there were less, considerably less. This year, since I recorded the first section of this podcast, which was, um, I think, almost a month ago, if not a month ago now, the numbers haven't increased at all. So... I've hardly seen or heard any, and sometimes um, we might hear some going past our house, but the skiing, which is a word I've only learned recently, and I hope I'm pronouncing it okay, the skiing, which is the, um, the, you know, the, 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 the troop of birds that fly through the sky that you see, the, 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 the way the geese migrate together and make that kind of chevron v shape um the biggest one i've seen or heard has been about 20 so if anything there's been less and i feel really like sad about that because i don't know what it's what it's about or what what's happening and i've come here today to Gladhouse Reservoir so I've moved to the heart of where the pink-footed geese usually are so they're usually here this is where they come and this is where they they nest obviously not all of them you know it's a, it's only about um, and I've only just learned this recently but really it's only about uh, you know a percent or two of all of the pink-footed goose population that comes here um, but I've also learned that they are um, exclusively from Greenland and Iceland, the ones that come here for the winter. And apparently the ones from, um, from Russia, they go and nest elsewhere in Europe. Uh, they winter elsewhere in Europe, I should say. But yeah. It's really sad and, and confusing and I don't know what to make of it or what to read into it. So I'm stood here now and I'm looking over the water of the reservoir. The sun is, is, is shining through a, quite a muggy sky but the, the sun is clearly reflected on the water and I'm looking at the hills in front of me. I can see lots of um, lots of trees straight ahead, a lot of pine trees, or possibly fir trees, I'm not sure, at the base of the hill, and the hill itself is quite smooth. It's, it's very bare, the, the Moorfoot hills are very bare, hardly any trees on them, apart from some plantations, you know, but no, it doesn't seem to be much in the way of natural trees. And I'm, it, the whole view here is framed by oak leaves, there is... There are two young oaks, one to my left and one to my right. And 
the branches of each are touching each other, creating this frame where the, the water is reflecting the sunlight and the smooth hills just in front of me um, are looking quite dark against the, the background of the sky. The oak leaves haven't quite fallen yet, so you can maybe listen to some, they're quite, quite dry. Lovely leaves, I love the shape of oak leaves. But yeah, here they seem to be very, um, seem to be hanging on a bit longer than they are in the forest near where I live, which is just three miles up the road. Yoro is with me. hear some kind of crow honking away in the distance there. Actually I've never realised how many oaks there are here. I don't usually walk up this side of the reservoir. There's a car just coming past here. I don't usually come up this side of the reservoir. I usually go to other, other edges of it but as I pulled up in my car to, to come for my walk, I saw that uh, a woman in her pyjamas and dressing gown, no less, good for her eyesight, um, got out of her car and walked up the path I was going to walk up, which I think is probably a bit closer to where I would find pink-footed geese if I was to find any. Um, she looked way too cosy for me to be disturbing her walk with my podcast, so I let her carry on in her cosy clothes. Um, but yeah, the geese. So what my plan was for this podcast was to um, follow the numbers of geese that were coming. I suppose I am in a way. It's just well, it isn't what I was expecting. I was expecting or hoping. No, actually, I was expecting as well. I was expecting huge numbers. Maybe not as many as came the first time in the first autumn and winter a few years ago but certainly not this just for them to be stopping just for every now and then to hear I don't know 20 pass through the sky seemingly passing through and going somewhere else Yoro leave it Yoro's chasing a, a pheasant but don't worry folks he's a rubbish hunter he's, he's never caught anything in his life I may have told you about the time when he lost a fight with a squirrel. Probably have already shared that with you, but we don't need to worry when Yoro goes hunting. It's never fruitful for him. Um, so I never realised how sad I would feel about that, actually. And I suppose I'm also wondering if there's still time for them to come or if they've moved to another location and I can't help but think about global warming and I'm wondering if maybe they found another location closer to home that's warmer so they didn't have to fly here but then I wonder where that would be so perhaps I don't know the north of Scotland I don't know too much about the migrating habits of of geese and birds to be honest so um 
I may be inventing my own logic, but you know, they they live in such cold places that they find Scotland to be a warm place to, to spend the winter, which people who live in Scotland, you know, would would tell you sounds like a crazy thing, but they like it cold. <laughs> Most geese, or pink footed geese anyway, they like the they clearly like it to be to be chilly, but they just you know, they need grass to graze on and plants. So yeah, I'm wondering even if perhaps in Greenland and in Iceland it's been unusually warm there. And perhaps if you're a listener and you live in Iceland or in Greenland you can you can let me know. Has it been an unusually warm autumn so far? Maybe the geese are just not leaving because they don't feel it's time to go. I mean they don't go by the calendar like us, do they? You know, they they move when the conditions are unfavourable. Maybe they're not unfavourable enough. Or has it got nothing to do with global warming? And is this my... Is this my imagination? Obviously, global warming is a very real thing. You know, I'm not Donald Trump, folks. But... I'm going to come a bit closer to the water, actually, so you can listen to these gentle freshwater waves up against the rocks. It's a really lovely sound here, listen. So, I'll give you a moment with that. See a lot of crows flying over the hills. You might be able to hear them in the distance. Yoro. Yoro's come to join us. Give him a biscuit and you can hear the famous crunch. Yes, Yoro, your crunch has become famous, yes. So yeah, as I was saying, it's something that I struggle with a little bit um, as an ecotherapy practitioner because the conditions in Scotland are really changeable. The, the seasons, generally speaking, are um, really unpredictable. And when I first moved here, even though I only moved from the north of England, you know, like 200 miles away to the south of Scotland, I'm not even in the north, there, there, there was a huge difference. I was living in Manchester for years and when it rained, it rained, you know, sometimes for like weeks or so it felt. And I couldn't get my head around how the weather here is so changeable that in a day, sometimes it feels like all the seasons have gone by. It can be really warm. And so you take your coat off and then it starts to rain and there's a blast of an icy wind. And so you cover up and then, then it starts to rain. And so you, you try to protect yourself from the rain and then it, then it goes warm again and then it's then it's mild it's somewhere in between and all this can happen in the space of 20 minutes in any season really <laughs> so my point is i'm not just totally digressing my point is i wonder um i wonder how to to deal with this 
the, the, this this knowledge that the climate is changing and to have genuine concern for it when I notice unusual things happening in the weather but I also um, you know wonder if every time there's something unusual happening in the weather I begin to get worried about it you know am I going to spend my life in a constant state of anxiety and, and, and is this you know I mean I, I don't get too anxious about it personally but I know um, I do about climate change but not every time the weather changes is what I'm trying to say you know I'm kind of used to it but but I notice in groups that I run that people quite rightly are extremely worried and I also see that sometimes when there's little quirks in the weather people become really worried every time it happens and how do we how do we live with what's happening in the world and not be in a state of concern every time something unusual happens in the weather because not everything that happens in the weather is going to be down to global warming there are still a lot of other factors and things happening as well as that How do we stop our imaginations from thinking the worst of everything all the time? How do we enjoy being alive and how do we still connect with this beautiful planet that we're on? Because it's really important to be connected to it and to love it and to feel a part of it. And if our feelings around the very worrying state that the planet is in. Turn to anxiety whenever we go out in nature, then how are we gonna connect with nature again? And part of the problem, as far as I'm concerned, about what has happened in the world is that we don't connect with it like our ancestors did and like a lot of indigenous communities across the world still do. We became completely disconnected. And if we're worried and anxious, then will that disconnect us again? It becomes a big conundrum for me, a big confusing um, catch-22 potentially. And I hope that I'm making sense in what I'm saying. And all of this is coming up from the geese. And whatever happens with the geese, I mean, I'm, I'm going to record another section of this podcast um, later in the month maybe at the end of November I'm not sure when I'll publish this one yet and see perhaps they arrive really late or perhaps I find out they've moved somewhere else I don't know but I'll track it anyway and it would be interesting to see if all of these thoughts were unfounded or I guess there's no way of knowing if they're unfounded or not because as we say maybe the goose of the geese have moved elsewhere and maybe it doesn't have anything to do with global warming and maybe that is just all of my presumptions and I think what I am 
interested in though is, is, is how it's there, you know, and how it, whether it is what's happening or not. It's the first thing that I jumped to. It's the first assumption that I made. And I think that's interesting and, and probably says a lot about our relationship to, to nature now and in the years to come. And I think that that's something that is going to be very present and is very present in ecotherapy. We can't just appreciate the beauty of everything and, and close our eyes to what's going on. We've, we've taken from nature enough already and we need to, we need to have a, a, a balanced relationship with it, recognise on what's happening. If we have a genuine relationship with nature, it won't just be all all joy and beauty it there will be some pain and sadness there as well because it's you know the thing we love is, is, is struggling so much so there we go folks i'm going to i'm going to end this wee section of the podcast now and i'm going to come back in the future not too far in the future i don't know when maybe later in november even later, a bit earlier, who knows? And I'll give you an update on the, the, the pink-footed geese migration here in Morefoot. Have they arrived? Have they not? And we'll see what nature has in store for us. Bye-bye. I'm at Gladhouse Reservoir, the largest body of fresh water in the Lothians in Scotland here. And... Um, so I did a bit of research and a bit of digging and it seems that I um, didn't know much about, about geese and what they do. So as it turns out, the geese are probably, at least I hope, still here at Gladhouse Reservoir. This is just three miles from where I live, but they're just feeding elsewhere. They live off the grass, they're total vegetarians and um, they look for good grass, places that they can graze. So each morning at dawn, they leave their roosting place. And then in the evening at dusk, which is going to be dusk quite soon here at Gladhouse Reservoir, they return. So this is the best time to spot pink-footed geese if you want to. So as I'm here, I'm strolling along and I can hear some of them in the distance already. And I just realise how in such a short space of time, two years, I've come to love that sound of the geese returning, how I associate it with winter, not winter, Autumn, friends. Autumn and winter, we'll say. But I associate it primarily with autumn. And I felt really sad when they didn't come. I even recorded um, a, a, a clip, a podcast section, where I was talking about climate change a lot. I was worried that something had happened with the climate. You know, I learned that these pink-footed geese that come to Scotland come from Greenland and Iceland and pretty much all of them come 
to Scotland and some of them go further south to England and um, I started to worry I started to, to think maybe it was too warm in their countries maybe they didn't come here at all maybe they changed location and they were never going to come to Gladhouse anymore because they hadn't been in my village in Temple but no no I think they've just found better grass to eat this year so I thought I would come here to their place to where they spend their nights and their evenings maybe give them a telling off for not coming to my village and eating the grass there because it made me very sad and maybe just see if I can if I can see them returning if I can just find that that sound and that sight when they all arrive from their feeding place they fill the sky with their amazing honk and it may or may not happen I'm going to stay out for a wee bit for a while so let me describe to you where I am because it's not all about the geese it's about this location as well so I've taken you here before you'll hear that it's quite windy listen to this the sound of the freshwater waves of the reservoir lapping up against these huge rocks on the side here and there is a chill in the air this is probably the coldest it's been so far this autumn I'm quite enjoying it to be honest I missed the cold weather it was an unusually warm October in southern Scotland so I'm really enjoying this Christmas I feel so alive with it but just listen to that the sound of the fresh water waves and the cold wind together go a little bit closer see how you feel this sound So I'm crouching down on the rocks. And it's a really big reservoir here. And over on the other side of the reservoir, there is a lot of pine trees, Scots pine, and the soft Morefoot hills line the sky behind it. There are some fields between the trees and the hills and a, a, a tractor's just gone by a farmer tending to the sheep. These hills have barely any trees on except for some plantations which are shaped in the most bizarre way but they look almost like rune carvings from afar. They look like some kind of message. You know when you would see those alien um, or supposed 
uh, alien markings in the corn crops that, that, that happened in the, I think it was the 90s. I think it turned out to be false. I know it turned out to be false, but that's how it looks almost. There are these trees, these pines that have been planted in these very strange shapes that look like letters, but they're not letters, not of the English alphabet anyway. They look really strange on the hill. Other than them, there are no wild trees on these hills. It's soft, it's smooth. I can see purple heather on them. Quite dark hills, quite low. Let me get up and move a wee bit because Yoro is here with me and he doesn't like it when I stay still. It's funny, do you ever notice when you're looking for something, especially from nature, or you're listening out for something that you, you convince yourself that you can see it and you can hear it everywhere. How are our experiences and, and our conditioning affects what we experience when we're outdoors? or even indoors, anyway. But I think especially outdoors. You know, for example, I noticed that I've been doing so much um, study, if you like, of, of, of geese and paying so much um, attention to potential signs that the pink-footed geese might be <laughs> back in temple of, across the skies and that I ignored the other birds that have been returning a lot of songbirds have started to sing again you know after they go quite quiet in the late summer and I spent a lot of time like just feeling like there was something wrong that the geese weren't around and there was like almost this almost like a sadness when I went outdoors, like why aren't the geese here, something's wrong. It must be climate change, you know, and I'm not a climate change denier, folks, obviously. I'd probably be in the wrong job if I was. But, you know, the, the, that instinct to, to, to jump to that conclusion came straight away. And all of these worries became associated with my experience of, of, of autumn over the last three, three or four weeks. And it's funny how if the first year that I came and moved to Temple, those geese never would have been here. Because apparently they don't come to Temple every year, as I've said, you know. They, they go and feed in different places each year, but they also they always come and roost here at the Gladhouse Reservoir. But where they spend their daytime is uh, up to their fancy, and it might change. That might change every year. But if they hadn't have come that first year, and then again last year, although they weren't in such great numbers last year, as I said, the first year it was, it was all of them, thousands, literally thousands of them. I would have noticed the other bird song and the other birds, I would have noticed other things in nature, but, but I didn't. And I think that that, 
raises a lot of interesting questions around our conditioning with nature and also it brings up gratitude for me which is something I try to practice with my relationship with, with life and with nature a lot and even in these really disturbing times on the planet I still try to practice gratitude for what's here and even if the geese had of you know ha had of changed their whole route and went to another part of Scotland or, or whatever changed their plans because of climate change it would have been scary and it would have been terrifying but I'd like to think that I would still find some gratitude for the beds that were in the garden and that's what I'm trying however <laughs> I still want to find the geese. <laughs> I still want to hear the geese. It's so strange, isn't it? I, I'm, I'm listening to myself talk and thinking how much, you know, just how much like I've, I've changed as a person in the last five years. You know, I, have, I haven't quite got to the level of taking um, binoculars and going birding yet, but watch this, watch this space, friends. But doing this simple act of just going out and looking for looking for for signs of wildlife and wildlife and signs of change it's such a simple thing to do and such a beautiful thing to do and even if i don't see the geese today i'm not going to worry i'm still enjoying being here and looking for them waiting hoping that as it's getting darker which it is slowly getting dark here now very slowly even if I don't hear them even if they don't come I trust that they're here and it's okay they're not here for my entertainment I know that they're around and that that's good enough I'm going to pause for a moment and I'm going to come back even when we hear some geese. So I can see a few geese arriving now in the sky. It's a small skein. It's really only about, I don't know, 15 or 20. On the other side of the reservoir. Maybe these are the first ones of the flock to return. Maybe you heard that beautiful songbird just amongst the pine trees to my right. I 
It's a sweet sound. I feel like I haven't heard it since the spring. Can you hear? Just in the distance. You can probably also hear the wind and the water. That sound you can hear is the sound of leaves falling from the maple trees. very good at identifying bird song but maybe it's some kind of finch perhaps who cares it's a beautiful sound small winged being that just needs to sing who cares what label we put on it you feel when you listen to that? There's a tiny little tree creeper going up the tree, up the pine tree in front of me. Pretty sure they're called tree creepers anyway. Very appropriate name if they are. It's a tiny bird, just walking up the rough bark of the pine tree as if its feet are made of glue. And you can just walk with me for a while. I don't feel that it's always necessary to keep you entertained on this podcast. I know that sometimes some of you just appreciate the sound of nature. And somehow if you find it difficult to to be still and to walk when you're outdoors and and to just pay attention to what's around maybe you can use this podcast as a practice for that maybe it's easier to to practice being mindful in nature by by listening to this at home as a first step and maybe even if you're used to 
being mindful in nature and you have a practice then this is an excuse for you to do it at home as well that's the great thing about the technology we have isn't it okay okay folks so i fast forwarded in time a little bit about 30 minutes later after the previous recording and there's no no major geese no major goose activity i was going to say but i wanted to reflect on something else and that's the feeling of walking in the night time of course it's not even 5 p.m yet so it's not really night but the darkness is really really casting down right now and um, just realize that it's such a rare thing that i walk at this time of the day when it's that liminal space between light and dark There's something really magic about it and a wee bit scary i notice how I'm conditioned to wanting light and warmth straight away, even though I'm warm enough and it's light enough. It still feels a wee bit, wee bit scary. I wonder when the last time was that you walked at this time of night. Maybe you do it regularly or maybe it's not something you've done for a long time. Just some thoughts as I walk here along the reservoir. One lonely car passing on the little road here. I'm walking through all of the pine trees with Yoro. Can you hear this tree creaking? these really tall scott pine trees that's quite an eerie sound wasn't it i wonder how if i was a a, a child i'd have walked through you know this this uh, copse of pine trees and would have reacted to a sound like that i'm sure i would have created monsters in my mind but it's interesting how when we go looking for some things we find we find others especially out in nature there's just so much there's so much happening there's so much life here isn't there everywhere and i won't pretend that i'm not disappointed about the pink-footed geese not arriving at least as yet i am going to be heading home fairly soon so I'm giving them 10 more minutes. There we go. I'm giving nature 10 minutes to do what I want it to do. 
uh, then I'm going to go home and nature will be sorry. But just this feeling of walking in the darkness is something I don't do enough. And if I hadn't have come looking for the geese, I wouldn't have done it. Hearing those little songbirds before it was really sweet. Seeing the tree creeper. That was a nice little moment. I very rarely see those. I came looking for one kind of amazing bird and, and I caught another instead. And I feel lucky. Here's a crow. Probably my favorite bird of all. So I'm going to end this section of the podcast. Okay, folks, so I've come to record the last section of the podcast. I just uh, took a little drive all the way around the reservoir. It's the same, same day, just maybe 20 minutes after the last recording. And it's so different over here. It's still a little bit windy, but the reservoir is so still on this side. And I wanted to just make one little, one little reflection about expectations and the way we look for certain experiences, especially in nature, whether that's from the weather or the seasons or from, from animals, you know, like I've done here today. It's an amazing thing to experience the geese, but... Um, it's also an amazing thing to be here in the dark it isn't what I came to do but the way the the way the light from the sky not that there's much coming through the clouds tonight but the way the sky grey as it is is reflected in the stillness of the reservoir on this side is incredible it's like silk and the shadow of the trees in the water the black shadow of the of all these pine trees around it's almost otherworldly just the absolute stillness of being here can you hear how much stiller it is here than it was on the other side of the reservoir listen the geese in the distance let's just be still here you be still with me wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Picture this scene. The silky gray clouds reflected in the water. The way a small handful of geese arrived then as if to say, you know what, we're here. 
You don't need 3,000 of us. Five of us are enough. And you know what? It was enough. I love that sound. There's Yoro running around. Yeah, did you have a panic? I think he had a panic. He's not used to being outside in the dark. And just the silhouette of the hills is straight ahead. The darker it gets, the more the water becomes like a, like a sheet of glass that's reflecting the trees and the hills almost perfectly. It's cool, but it's not cold. So this podcast, this theme, this episode has become about expectations and how if we go out in nature with expectations they are not often fulfilled but if we open our eyes to the other little miracles that are everywhere we'll find other gifts we'll find other beauty and that's it for this this month folks I'm going to leave that with you. Head back up to my car with Yoro. I hope you've enjoyed walking around the reservoir with me. Take care and I will speak to you next month. Bye bye. Hi friends, just one more little thing before I go. So this is a, 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 little, a little commercial at the end here. Um, I wanted to let you know about a new reward that I'm uh, giving to my patrons at patreon.com forward slash nature therapy online. So um, over on my Patreon page, you probably know how the website works, but for those of you who don't, it's a place where people pledge a little financial support towards projects that they like and they want to see running basically. So um, I have a small humble handful of uh, patrons and uh, one reward that I'm offering now to people who sign up and give a small monthly donation towards this podcast is um, personal podcasts. So every three months I invite people who sign up uh, as a patron to contact me and tell me a theme that they would like me to record a podcast on and that podcast will be recorded especially for you. It will be a mini podcast of about five minutes long. Um, I will share your name and whatever it is you would like me to report Called the podcast on, I will record the podcast on that theme. Um, obviously, nature related. This is uh, an ecotherapy podcast, but whatever that topic is, I will record something especially for you on that topic and I will post it or I can keep it private and just send it to you if you prefer or maybe, maybe pop it online. It's up to you. Um, so, 
if you um, would would like that to to happen, if you're interested in having your own personalised ecotherapy podcasts, please go to patreon.com forward slash nature therapy online. And that is the commercial over and out. I'm off. Thanks so much for listening, folks. And bye bye. Visit me online at naturetherapyonline.net.